Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Good morning, I'm Melissa Blackwood. I am one of the youth pastors here at City Life. I was inviting all the teenagers to HCY, but guess what, there's only like four spots left, so yeah, we're gonna have a party. It's gonna be amazing. Anyways, we're talking about worship. We're talking about worship, everybody. Are you ready? Okay, good, you're with me, we're tracking. I actually, you know, I'm wrapping up our series on worship, and if you have missed any of the previous messages starting in January, I encourage you to tune in. They were powerful, they were powerful messages, and I actually just really believe God wants to stir up our worship. I think he wants to stir us up a little bit. Okay, so you're ready to be stirred up. I'm gonna explain what worship is, in case you're tuning in for the first time. Worship is when we bow or kneel to something or someone. It is what we ascribe or give ultimate value to, right? It's the things that we build our lives on, that we set our hopes on, our hearts to. It's where we think, if I have this thing, if I achieve this, then my life means something, right? Then I have worth. We all have ascribed ultimate value to something. Am I right? We all have to live for something. And so whether we're Christian or not, whether you're religious or not, you're a worshiper. We are all worshipers. And, you know, Pastor Monica, in the first week, she encouraged us to write down the things that we worship that aren't Christ and to lay them down. You know, we wrote them down, we put them in a jar. And I encourage you to continue to remind yourself of what you wrote down because those things are going to sneak up. They're going to sneak up. They're going to get your attention. And this series is called Undistractable, so you don't want to be distracted by those things. You know, Tim Keller, there's a quote, he says, The world is not divided between people who worship and people who do not worship. It is divided between people who worship things that will distort your life and people who worship the one true God. You know, we were made by God to worship him alone. And if God is not the one receiving our worship, something else will. You know, and when we worship anything else that isn't Christ, it actually cannot handle your worship, right? There are good things in life, for sure, but when they're given ultimate value, when they are worshipped, they crumble. You crumble. It's a crumbly, crumbly mess, okay? So my, my prayer for you is that you would worship Christ, that that would be, you know, that we would be Christ worshipers. But I actually want to focus on today what our worship as Christ followers should look like. That there's actually a transformation that should take place in us. And I want to base this message around Exodus 3. Uh, Moses and the burning bush. Okay. Anybody watched Prince of Egypt? Who's watched Prince of Egypt? Oh, there can be miracles when you believe. I don't really know the words. But I, I think I know the Hebrew words when they're like, Ashira Aladonai Kigoga. Do you know that? I learned it in choir. I can't forget it. Yeah, I know Hebrew, so it's cool. Yeah. Okay, anyways, but we're going to get back on track. Moses, here we go, Exodus 3. I'm going to read this part. So Moses, all oh right, uh, background story. Moses has been in the desert for 40 years, Okay. 
and now we're, we're tuning in. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Yates, right? And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So go now, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So out of this, I think it shows us what our worship should look like. It should be a response, it should engage us, and it should transform us. So the first point is a response. Our worship should be a response. Have you guys ever seen this meme? I found Jesus. He's hiding under the couch. Do you have it? Media, 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 media. Oh, yeah. Have you guys seen this meme before? You, what? What the heck? I was like, I was like, oh, everybody's going to know this one. Oh, I'm so out of touch. Okay. Well, I've seen it and I laughed. Okay. <laughs> but I just think that this is funny. You know, I found Jesus. He's under the couch. Hilarious. And I think a part of us thinks we find Jesus. I think there's a part of us that thinks, you know, that we seek God and we find him when we're ready. Right? And I mean, maybe you don't think that. I did at one point. But it's hilarious to think, like, that the Lord of the universe could just be, you know, he's waiting. He's hiding. And he's just like, man, I hope they check under the couch. You know, like... I mean, as if it's all in our hands. And he's like, you know, I know for one I am not that smart. So I, I don't believe that we're the ones who seek God and find him. I believe it is God alone who calls us and opens our eyes to who he is. God isn't lost. We are. Right? He reveals himself to us. It's in his timing. And we see that in verse 2. The Lord appeared to Moses in flames of fire. And then verse 4. God called to him. What do you think? You, Moses woke up one day. He's like, oh, all right. Oh, Lord, it's been 40 years in the desert. You know, I've got my family. I've got my career figured out here. I think today's the day I'm going to find you. Yeah, and I want you to show up in a burning bush. But the bush isn't going to, like, light up on fire. It's just going to be burning. Like, no, 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 no. God was like, okay, Moses, now it's your time. Your heart is ready. You're ready. I'm going to reveal myself to you. 
In Matthew eleven twenty seven, Jesus says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. I mean, I believe it is God's heart for us all to know him. I truly believe that that is his heart. But he is the one who chooses the timing. He is the one who reveals himself. And I mean, some of you, you God revealed himself to you when you were little. You know, I, my, my Audrey, she's five years old, and she says to me, she's like, Mom, I believe in Jesus. I know that he lived, and I know that he died, and that he rose again. Like, my five-year-old. And she's just like, and I know God has actually, like, revealed himself to her. I was like, sister, you're preaching right now. Right? <laughs> but for some of us, myself, it's later on in life that God reveals himself. I remember seeing Christians and being like, you guys nuts. You guys are a bunch of weirdos, you know? But then God revealed himself to me. And now I'm nuts for Jesus. <laughs> right? But it's God who reveals himself to us, and our choice lies in our response. You know, Moses had a choice in his response. Moses could have peaced out. Like, he could have seen the, you know, the fire of the bush, the flames, and he could have been like, not today, Lord, you know? Or when he approached and God called him in, he could have been like, you know what? You left me in the desert for 40 years. You made me mad, Lord. I do not want anything to do with you. He could have walked away from God. He had a choice, but instead, Moses says, here I am. And if God has revealed himself to you, it doesn't make you more special. I'm sorry, you are a special snowflake, but. <laughs> but it just means that you have a choice in how you respond to him. And if you are here, in this room today, I believe this is God calling you. If you're watching online, I believe this is God calling to you. I mean, well, let's be honest. Jesus coming in the flesh, that was kind of God's call to the world of who he was, you know. But I wouldn't take it for granted. I would not take the call for granted and think, you know, God, like, let me have my fun. Let me just, like, figure out my life, see what I want to do, and then I'll come to you. I wouldn't mess with God. They say that they believe in God, but it doesn't really change anything in their life, right? They're still living the same life, living the way they want to live, doing what they want to do, struggling with the same issues, and that's because I believe there's a difference between believing something and worshiping something, right? Believing doesn't mean I worship. I can believe I should be healthy, don't have to do nothing about it. You know, I can believe that I should be healthy. It's good for me. But I eat a chocolate bar for breakfast. Don't go to the gym. Don't work out. Sit down. Eat some potato chips. That was Texan, wasn't it? Little potato chips. Well, it was something. It was something. But there's a whole other thing when we worship our health. Right? If I worship my health... I've given it ultimate value, it engages all of you, mind, emotions, your will, right? You're thinking about it all the time if you're worshiping your health. You know, you're emotional about it. If you get a little chunky monkey, you know you're sad, right? 
just being honest. You spend your money on healthy food, on all the vitamins, on the gym memberships, you know, all the organics, the Lulus, right? It's how you spend your time. You're at the gym. You're food prep, meal prepping, food prepping, whatever. You, it engages all of you. True worship is not just believing something. True worship engages our whole selves. It engages our emotions, our mind, our will. And Psalm 95, it gives us a blueprint of how to worship, of how our worship should engage our mind, will, and emotions. So we're going to look at Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. What is the psalmist doing? He's being engaged with his emotions. He's singing for joy. Verse 3, for the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Well, in these verses, the psalmist is using his mind, right? He's thinking. He's thinking about who God is and what he has done. Verse 6, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. In these verses, he's saying, bow, kneel. It's a submission of his will. He's giving his life to God. So our worship, it has to engage our entire being, or else it's not true worship. All parts of our lives, our mind, our emotions, our will. You know, if, if we, you know, read the Bible and we're like, yeah, I, I believe in, in, in the Bible and I, I believe in the Christian truth. But you never see the beauty of the Lord that makes you weep or melt. It's not true worship. Or if you have, maybe you have a lot of feeling you're weeping, you're in service, and you just have this emotional experience, and you're just loving it. But then as soon as you leave those doors, you're not bowing or kneeling your life to Christ. It's not real worship. You know, believing without feeling or feeling without bowing is not true worship. It must be our full mind, emotions, and will. But ultimately, I mean... To be fully engaged and worship God this way, we have to see his worth, right? I mean, you, can't, you kind of would be robotic if, if you just did those things because you knew that they were the right things to do. We actually have to be moved by the worth of God. You know, and, and there's a great illustration of a woman who has this precious jewelry. You know, she, her mother passes away and she inherits this piece of jewelry from her mother. And, you know, it's nice, it's fine, but doesn't know what to do with it, so she leaves it on her dresser, right? And time goes by, dust collects around this, you know, you throw clothes on it, and she loses this piece of jewelry. She's like, where did it go? She finds it. Oh, I found it. Leave it on the dresser. You know, it just kind of remains there. And then one day, she decides to take it to the jeweler. And the jeweler, you know, takes it. He studies it. Okay, give me a second. He takes it to the back, and he does some more research, more testing on this piece of jewelry, and he starts to sweat a little bit. His heart rate starts increasing. Because what he's realizing and what he's realized is that this piece of jewelry is actually this long lost 
piece of jewelry that's historic, it's priceless, that this actually, this piece of jewelry is far more than any jewelry that's ever existed in his shop. So he is like, wow, he is being, what's happening is his whole entire being is being engaged by the worth of this thing he's holding. He's looking at it, he's calculating it, he's noticing its excellencies, he is being shaped by the worth of it. And the lady who owns this is not. So what does brother do? What does brother jeweler do? He goes out and he preaches the good news. He's like, lady, do you know what you have? This is incredible. You know, and he's preaching. And what happens to her? She receives this, and then she is changed by it. She sees the worth in it. And so for a lot of people, they believe in God but aren't changed because God is like that jewelry on the table. It's in your life, but you have no sense of its value. Right? You've never seen the worth or the beauty. It's never been driven into the center of your life. He hasn't become a treasure to you. And I mean, that's why corporate worship on a Sunday is, and throughout your week, like we should be worshiping every day. But corporate worship on a Sunday, why it's so important is we are singing our beliefs. We are reciting our beliefs. We are engaging our mind, our body. That's why we encourage you to lift your hands. Engage your body. Get excited. Our voice, our minds. That's why it is so important. It drives the truth of who God is into our core and into our lives. And so Moses... Moses enters God's presence, and he's listening to God's voice. He's looking. He's understanding. He's calculating who God is. He sees the value and the worth of God. You know, he hides his face in fear. He sees the holiness of who God is, and he treasures him. And after this meeting point, Moses, is, his life is forever changed, which leads me to my next point is that there must be a transformation that happens in us. You know, when we respond to God's call and he becomes our treasure, a transformation takes place. Let's talk about love for a second, okay? Oh, when you fall in love. Oh, love. Oh, you respond to the call. Yeah, I'll go on a date, right? Yeah. And then you're hanging out with this person a bunch, you know, lots of hangouts. They start to become a treasure to you. Oh, yeah, sweet treasure. You know, in your mind, your emotions, your will, they're engaged. Oh, they're engaged. You're always thinking about them. You're feeling the feelings. You're hanging out with them all the time, every spare minute you have. You're in love. You want to shout it from the mountaintop, don't you? Well, and what they care about, you start caring about, right? You start listening to the music that they listen to, watching the movies that they watch, these videos, these war videos. You watch them. You pretend you like them. <laughs> that might have been personal. <laughs> I love you, Mark. <laughs> you know, you do the activities that they like. You hang out with their friends. There is a transformation that takes place when you love somebody, and it just changes who you are. God calls Moses. Moses responds. God brings Moses into his presence. Moses engages. God tells Moses what he cares about. Because what does God say? God says, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out. 
And then he goes on later, so I'm sending you to bring them out of Egypt. There is a transformation that takes place in our worship. If you believe in Jesus, if you worship Jesus, you say, yes, I love Jesus. You should care about what he cares about. What does God care about? People. Look to your left. Everybody, everybody, look to your left. <laughs> look to your right. Look around this room. Look at me. Look at somebody behind you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All the power. It's people. Think about your in-laws. Think about your outlaws. Think about your coworkers. Think about your children, your spouse. Think about your neighbors. Think about the people online. Think about people. If we have lost sight of love for people, we have lost sight of our king's heart. Our job as Christians is to reflect God. If you say you're a Christian, you are his ambassador. You are literally his representation in the world. You are to reflect who he is and what he cares about. You're to reflect his love. Well, what is his love? What, 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 what? His love was forgiving those who beat him and shamed him and executed him and denied him. His love was serving his creation. His love was, you know, allowing his life, his blood to be poured out for people who didn't deserve it. Oh, fun! Right? But we are to be a reflection of that love. It's insane. But if we're walking around saying we are his ambassadors, but you do not have love for people, then a transformation hasn't taken place. Or maybe you're not truly worshiping him. Or maybe there's been a little, like, mix-up. I don't know. And so how do we love like this? You know, it talks about love so often in the Bible. Honestly, how do we love like this? Open up your Bible, and there's going to be John especially. Oh, John loves love. First John. Oh, first John. He's loving love. So, but you have to have your worship in the right order. It has to be God first. You know, you think of the commands. When Moses went up onto Mount Sinai and received the commandments... The first commandment is love the Lord your God. And then everything else follows, right? Because if you don't love the Lord, you're going to murder your neighbor. So you got to love the Lord. And then you're not going to want to murder your neighbor as much. Right? <laughs> right? But we have to, like, how to love like this is worship. How to love like this, be in the word. If you are not reading your Bible, how can you know what your king wants or loves or says or has done. And when we're in the word and then we worship, we're driving that truth into our hearts and you're transformed. Man, when you're reading the word, you're, you know, having your time with Jesus and you're reading how awful you are and how you don't deserve his love. What is it called? Like one verse is like you're a rag, like a gross rag. And you're like, oh, okay, it's true. But that he forgave you and died for you despite your unworthiness, that changes your heart. You're like, oh, man, 
You know, when you're reading the word and, and Jesus calls us beloved while we were still in our sin, when we didn't even know who he was, he calls you beloved. It changes your heart. And then it helps change your heart towards people. If, if God has mercy on a sinner like me, how can I withhold that love from everyone else? We have to love people, and it's by knowing and worshiping Christ. And I mean, what's incredible about this dialogue between Moses and God, like there's a lot of incredible things because God has shown up in a bush that's not burning up. So it's all pretty incredible. But what's amazing is how God chooses to act. God could have, like he's there, he's a, God is showing up in a bush that's on fire but not burning up. So that's a miracle. So God could have, he could have eliminated Pharaoh God could have taken the, like the um, Israelites out of Egypt himself, right? God could have done all of that stuff on his own, but instead he uses a person. God says, because God's like, okay, so I'm going to rescue the Israelites out of Egypt. And then a little bit later, he's like, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God rescues people through people. He chooses Moses to lead them out of Egypt. I mean, we see God is like, okay, Moses, I want you to raise your staff, and then I'm going to open up the sea. And Moses does it. He's like, okay, raises his staff, and God opens up the sea for them to pass. And then God's like, okay, now just reach your hand over, and I'll close it up. Moses is like, okay, you know, and God closes it up. God's doing everything. He just wants to work through Moses. God is more than able to do things on his own. More than able to do things on his own. But he wants to work through you. He wants to work through us, the church. He wants us to be a part of the rescue mission for those who are suffering. You know, when I think of like when my kids want to help me bake or cook, and I let them. Is it helpful? Absolutely not. <laughs> Takes more time. It's grosser. They're like, mm, don't eat my baking. But, you know, it, it's, it's messier. It's like so much more time. But why do I say yes to my kids? It's because I want to spend time with them. I want to be with them. I want to make memories and, and teach them life skills. So why does God want to work with us? Because he loves you. He wants to be with you. He wants to work miracles through you so he can be like, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that cool what we just did? God wants to use you. He loves you. God is relational. He cares about you. It said in this verse, God says, I see their misery. I hear their cries. I'm concerned about their suffering. I want to rescue them. He wants to bring you freedom and healing, but he does not want it to stop at you. He wants to work through you. Our worship should engage all of us. Our mind, our emotions, our will, submitting to him. But it should leave us transformed and on mission and loving his people. And it'll look different for all of us. 
It'll look different. We all have different time or talents or resources. I remember when I became a stay-at-home mom. I was like, Lord, what do I do? I'm just at home all the time. He's like, well, what do you have in your hand? I was like, a house and lots of food. I'm always making lots of food. He's like, great, use it. So I have people in my home. Create community. Do Bible studies with people. Feed people. Make meals for people. Use what's in your hand. We're to be transformed by worshiping God. And, you know, here's the thing about Moses. He does end up going to Pharaoh. Spoiler alert. He goes to Pharaoh. He leads the Israelites out of Egypt. And they see amazing miracles, like incredible miracles. They experience God taking care of them in the desert. But like all men, Moses dies. And slowly the generations of the Israelites who have seen these incredible miracles, they walk away from God. They start worshiping other things, start being kind of nasty. Yeah, Moses did rescue them, but they turned from God's way to their way pretty quickly. And that's why this story isn't about Moses being an amazing rescuer. Moses couldn't fully rescue the people. And so the verse where, where, where God says, so I'm going to come and rescue them. God did. God came in the flesh. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh coming to do what Moses could not do, what Moses couldn't fully accomplish. And it was through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It was through dealing with sin. What he did is dealt with sin once and for all. So Jesus actually purchased our freedom. We are actually free in Jesus' name. Yeah, come on, come on. It's true, it's exciting. And when we, and it, when we believe this, when we believe who God says he is, that he did live the life we were meant to live, and that he died the death that we actually deserve, but he rose again, when we believe this, we respond to his call and we say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. And when we worship him with our mind, our will and emotions, he transforms us into his likeness and puts us on mission. I want us to stand right now. You know, when God called Moses, God said, he said, remove your shoes for this is holy ground. Absolutely, it was holy ground. I mean, God's presence was there and Moses was entering into this place. But I believe because of what Jesus Christ has done, we are actually able to enter freely and boldly into the presence of God in these gatherings. This is us entering holy ground. And that's why when I, when I am worshiping corporately on a Sunday, you guys, there is something powerful that happens when we lift the name of Jesus. This is actually holy ground. Whether you believe it or not, whether you feel it or not, it doesn't matter what you feel. Moses didn't have to feel anything for God to say it's holy ground. It is holy ground. There actually should be an awe and a reverence of Christ when we come and we sing. He deserves our praise. He deserves our arms lifted to him. He deserves our awful voices singing off tune. It doesn't matter. It is holy ground. And so what I want to say to you 
Man, when we come and we just kind of stand here on a Sunday and we're like, ugh, whatever. This is Jesus, like he bled. He gave his life so that we could come before him freely. That he is the ultimate sacrifice. Who are we to show up on a Sunday and just be like, oh, it's another Sunday. We're in the presence of the King and he wants to meet with you. And so I want us to, I want us to use this time to respond to God. I'm not gonna lead you through a prayer because you can talk to God and you can tell him, here I am. But we're gonna sing this song. I want you to respond to his call to your life. I want you to respond and say, here I am. I want you to engage your mind, your will, and your emotions. I want you to ask God to open your eyes to what he wants from you. God, how can I be put on mission? God, what have you put in my hands? God, if you're here and you're like, man, I, I just, I actually am so mad at people, I can't love people. I'm believing for breakthrough over people today that you would know the forgiveness of the Lord, that you can forgive others, that we would be able to be a forgiving people. So we're gonna sing Lord Send Revival and revival comes through revival is God waking people up and him doing his work on earth and he wants to work through us so when we're singing this Lord send revival Lord send it now a move of your spirit that's through us so God wake us up in Jesus name let's pray and let's sing that's what I mean sing come on let's sing Lord send revival Lord send it now a move of your spirit Heaven break out, come now in power, cover this land like you've done it before, would you do it again? Come on. Lord send the Bible, Lord send it now, approve your spirit, heaven break out.
God, I thank you, Lord, that you are healing hearts this morning. King Jesus, that where we're coming broken before you, we don't know how we can be set on mission if we feel so messed up. God, thank you, Lord. You are our healer. God, I thank you that there are things being changed, shifted. God, your peace over your people. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are actually, you have put pictures of people in our minds that we need to get on our knees and pray for. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're giving people even ideas on how to be that outreach in the world. God, that you're giving people ideas on how their companies can make a difference. God, on how in their classrooms they can make a difference, Father. God, thank you that creative ideas are from you, oh Lord. Thank you, God, that you're showing us what is in our hand. God, you're breaking off, um, Father, any unforgiveness in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. We thank you, God. We give you these things. And God, would we continue to meet together corporately and worship your mighty name? And would we do so during the week? In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.